Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 233 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast, we welcome Eric Richter and Glenn Mariansky from the band Antarctica. Eric was in Christy Front Drive and has been on the podcast a couple times, ones with Jim Atkins from Jimmy Eat World and also by himself. And Eric had this other band with an amazing group of musicians in the late 90s in New York City that went more toward the electronic scene that was happening. And if you're thinking about bands, Underworld, New Order, The Cure, Ride, etc. And at the time, and no offense, and they also talk about it, it was largely forgotten. And this music, I remember hearing um, after I had moved to New York City and hearing about this band but never being able to experience it. And there's these things that are out there that we don't get to realize. We think we have the internet at our fingertips and everything's there and it's not. Well, welcome in Solid Brass Records, and they helped get this back up online. So as you're listening to this, you'll be able to experience Antarctica's music and hear these influences and what someone from, you know, quote unquote, the emo scene had sort of gone on to do. And it's truly something that I'm amazing. I guess it's an amazing thing that this is back out in the world. And I think you're going to really, really like this. So I sat down with Eric and Glenn to talk about the band, their experiences, and how they feel about it being out in the world again. So I hope you really, really enjoy. Thank you for listening. Uh, Patreon supporters, thank you so much. Double Elvis, my podcast network, thank you for helping out. And you, all of those that are listening, if you have comments, feedback, washedupemo.com is how to get in touch. And I try to get to everything um, that comes through my way. This is episode 233 of the Washed Up Email podcast with Eric Richter and Glenn Mariansky from Antarctica. Hello, hello. Oh, what's up, Eric? What's going on? Oh, you know, living the dream. Sounds good. That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is how we do. I love Glenn. I don't know. Maybe before he gets on, I could tell you a story. When, on one of the Antarctica tours, he was driving and we all fell asleep and we just kind of left him at the wheel. And then we woke up and someone was like, What road are we on? And we finally realized we looked at the map. That's back when we didn't have GPS. I had a book on the Atlas. I'm like, dude, you've been on the wrong road for two hours. <laughs> we're, we're going the wrong way for two hours while everyone was sleeping. <laughs> we were so pissed. So we had to turn around and go back two hours. We were like in the middle of New Mexico, of all places. Like It's like the worst place to drive two hours in. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. We are here to talk Antarctica. I met Eric when Chrissy Front Drive played at ABC No Rio, I think. And, and uh, we, uh, I think we had known of each other or you know, through uh, mutual friends or something like that. But... We ended up like hanging out all night after they played, and I can't remember much of it after that. Yeah, well, Chris and I had a band with my brother and Sean Green. We both play in the Van Pelt now, and uh, uh, when Eric moved, when Eric moved here, like that was sort of fizzling out, and then Chris and I still wanted to play, and we were like, okay, let's you know re- rethink this and do something else. Glenn was there, you were there, and you were just like. Were you there to be, I'm going to do a new band, or was it there to be like, I just got to go to New York and get out of Denver? The latter. Um, I definitely wanted to get out of Denver. Um, 
I had, you know, I had, I had visited New York at that point and I really kind of, it was one of those things I kind of fell in love with it, you know? So, um, I just wanted to move there. I just didn't, I wasn't thinking about playing or anything. I just wanted to kind of get into the city. I figured that would happen eventually. Um, but it wasn't my plan to do that off the bat. You know, that's not the reason I moved to New York. Right. And w- what stuff did you guys connect on, Glenn? What What are some of those you guys said that you kind of connected? What was it? The stuff that was outside of, you know, the scenes that we were in. You know, we were probably t- talking about Swerve Driver and, like, sure. you know, like Trash Can Sinatras and stuff like that. Like rather than, you know, the stuff that we were actually a part of. You know, and yeah, I think that's why I think that's why we wanted to start playing together because we connected on that level. Like, yeah, I think the original plan. I think when we first talked, when I think when we talked about it, we were like we should do some kind of a, you know, something, a kind of nod to the shoegaze, you know, the British shoegaze um, sort of things. We are. I was listening to a lot of it at the time, and I really wanted to try a lot of the the guitar stuff, you know, like just the guitar licks and stuff. Um, it seemed fun. Like get us, you know, some more effects going and. Uh, I don't know. It was fun. That was the idea. It didn't, you know, it ended up morphing into something else, you know, once we all got together, which was cool. Um, yeah, you could hear you could hear it on the first EP, like how, you know, it's definitely more shoegaze leaning. And then we, you know, started going out to clubs and yeah, taking drugs and you know, all that good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember any yeah. of that. Yeah, exactly. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was it was. That was a fun time, though. I mean, that was like a one of those periods of my life where I was just kind of, I was young. I didn't give a shit. Like, we were just, um, it was a good time. New York City was a great place to be at that age. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> it was like, you know, yeah. I remember, like, we'd go to Twilo. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, I remember, that was the first time I ever stayed in a club. And then when I, I left, it was like 10 in the morning. I had no idea where the time went, you know, like. Yeah. One of those type of things. And um, I think a big, you know, besides the shoegaze, I think one turning point for us, too, was somehow we all, I feel like, separately kind of got hip to Underworld. Um, and I remember that being a topic a lot when we were listening to that. You know, we were like, oh, yeah. whatever's going on there, like, it was really cool. And Chris really, you know, I think yeah. he's the one that took it that direction and started buying the equipment. Yeah, it was perfume. like the first time we realized that you could do uh, like, for lack of a better term, techno, but like with guitars and vocals, and like you know, it really appealed to us. Like thinking yeah. outside of like the standard rock format. Yeah, that was did fun. It, did it feel like you needed to, you know, step away from that fully? Like, did it was it that visceral for you to be like, we have to do something else? Um, I think it just kind of happened in a way. Like, I mean, we definitely wanted to do something bigger than what we were already doing, and you know, definitely more ambitious. You know, which is why our first EP was three songs at twenty-three minutes. You know, like we were <laughs> definitely like thinking more of the Pink Floyd and yeah, yeah, Swerve Driver camp rather than like standard indie rock bar- boundaries. You know, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember like. Uh one of those songs, I don't know. I remember a heavy for against sort of influence too, you know, especially oh, like yeah. some of the jangly um, pop. Um, yep. But um, yeah, but th- th- that it's funny. It's really interesting to listen to the EP versus the LP and just though we did definitely there was a, there was a shift like somewhere in between there. And we, we really hit like kind of a stride there. Um, I thought right. like, I, I, remember, I don't remember writing, a lot of 8103. It felt like it just kind of happened, you know, like it's one of yeah, those but, weird albums. Like I don't remember sitting down and writing those songs. They just, we would get in a room together and the songs just happened, you know, like it was yeah. really, it was one of those situations, you know, it, there wasn't a lot of, it wasn't a lot of effort. It was like pretty effortless. I feel like putting that stuff yeah, together. Yeah. Which is kind of strange because it seems yeah. so, uh, thinking back on it now, it seems so like manicured and, you know, overthought, but it was like, actually, we never really had a problem just riffing on... I mean, I mean, nobody ever really brought anything to rehearsal. Like, we just got in a room and drank a couple of beers and let it go. Yeah, exactly, yeah. What about other bands in the city at the time? Places to play? Did you feel that there was a group of folks in the same realm? M- musically, Not, I would say no. Yeah, I mean, Interpol was happening at the same time, but like we thought... Like I never really 
considered us to be sort of peers with them. Um, they weren't really on know. my radar at that point, too. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until later. Like, as I far realized as, like, the, the I used to buy records doing... from one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, as far as the bands that were doing kind of like an 80s-leaning, you know, it, you know, some of it's like got some definite Cure, you know, a New Order vibes, but, uh, you know, we were never part of, like, that group of people. We never played with bands like that, you know. We played a lot of really cool shows, you know. We played with the Van Pelt and... Um, the regrets. Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we had a lot of cool shows and we played a lot of really cool bands, but I don't know. We weren't, you know, there weren't a lot of bands that were like hooking up the synths, synths at that point, yeah. you know, and we I definitely... Linol- go ahead, go Linola ahead, go ahead. was a band like that and like, you know, like the stuff, the File 13, like the Philly crew yeah. were more, uh, you know, Linola and Aspera, like they were sort yeah, of more on the same page. Bent like Fatima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, remember uh, all natural lemon lime flavors? Oh, yep, yep. That band was awesome. So good. Um, Oh, yeah. Um, So they were really cool. Going to shows, you're going to clubs, you're trying to get this going. You know, um, describe New York City then. I I got there in 2000. You guys are there a little bit, Eric. You were there a few years earlier. Describe New York City then and why, outside of the age thing, which I totally get when you're there and you're in your 20s it's or late teens it's it's great but what else about it felt that there was um that you wanted to do this there i mean i already lived there for like i moved there in 1990 so like you know it was already the place i lived probably the longest so you know it was just my home but like you know it's still i lived up two blocks away from brownies you know i was going there constantly you know there was no shortage of stuff to do you know you think about it now and it's like you couldn't make this stuff up oh yeah i mean i i kind of came in a little later like i guess it was 95 not too long before but i mean the the city just blew me away i mean there's just so much you can do at any time i mean there was you were never bored um if i was bored i'd just walk up to the met or something or like you know like there's this or you just go for a walk if you just went for a walk for an hour you'd see something strange going on no doubt um it just was constant, you know. And the, and the neighborhoods we lived in were definitely colorful, desirable at the time. Yeah, like they're, now they're well, like the highest co- threat. And I don't mean colorful in a bad way. I mean in a really great way. Where it was like there was a lot of um, diversity and because um, my neighborhood was very <laughs> yeah shooting. Well, you know there was including like drug dealers. Yeah, but. Um, which but they didn't really you know walking around they didn't really bother you if, if you weren't really. Uh, no, they you know, knew who you were. With them. Yeah. yeah, they didn't. They didn't give a shit though. Like, if you weren't buying from them, they didn't really care about you. Um, and they, they they told their their people to not mess with you. They're like that's what our our corner was like. That, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. You just you'd walk up like you remember what Thompson Squares Park was like when you like like early nineties. Um, it was just a whole other vibe, you know. Together, it was just that back then. You remember it was just full of homeless and like yeah. people smoking weed, and it was. I saw one uh, homeless guy attack someone with a with a with a pair of scissors once. <laughs> it was like, it was like, <laughs> just, just sitting there and like, oh Jesus! But no, it was just but such it, a great it still place. Had, it still had validity as far as a place you could start a band, like which sure. I don't think it does anymore. Like you can't afford to live there and have a rehearsal space. You know, there oh, was yeah. like there was still a time like when you could, you know, afford to be in a band in New York City, not like be selling your arm and a leg for rent. Yeah, no, I I got out of there before that kind of happened, um, but and then that, it's just you lived in New York City, Tom. You know how magical yeah, it is. It totally is. Yeah, I just meant like yeah. just that sort of time period of, I guess, I, I understand you guys are already there. You wanted to be there, just more of like. You know, I think like you said, Glenn, at the end about having a place to be able to do a practice space, be able to have time, be able to do that other sure. show, to be able to live in the fucking village near Brownies instead of having to be seven stops out of the city because that's exactly. all you can yeah, afford, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, no. granted, it was, it was not glamorous by any means. You know, like <laughs> I had a shower in my kitchen and like I could yeah. see through the see through the floor, but like you know, it was you know. What I remember most about your apartment was that fucking walk up the stairs. It was like, oh, yeah. it's, you were, what floor are you on? Sixth floor, but it was like, it's definitely not up to code. It was like, you know, <laughs> like, a, like a 30 degree incline. 
it was yeah and it, yeah it felt like it took forever to get your apartment like it was yeah. like oh if you just after a long walk it was not easy to get up there sometimes yeah i was down in the um like I've never i was been down kind of by abc no rio i was down in that area for a long time then i lived in chinatown for a while um but yeah it was that the lower east side was 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 a fun place that's for sure yeah my my favorite um when I first moved to New York, I was on 4th and Lafayette, the where I worked, and mm-hmm. there was a bodega that had rice, beans, and plantains near Seabees, and it was like $3. And I remember yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. like like surviving on that because like, I had like no yeah. money. Yeah. And it was like but those kind of spots I feel like are are there and you know, definitely I was in bands when I got there and yeah, I felt the same way. I'm like, oh, we just kind of throw twenty bucks in and we have a practice space for a few hours and this is doable. Um, and obviously those places change and they move to Brooklyn and Queens. But for you, playing shows, um, was there people starting to get into it? Did you feel that people were getting stoked on it? Or was it just a uh, thing you well, did on the side? Good question. Yeah, it felt like, I mean, we definitely, I think people knew who knew us came to see us and then they were a bit surprised. But like, you know, we definitely carved out a little space. But, you know, there was a lot of uh, people scratching their heads around the beginning. And, you know, they weren't really sure what to make of it. Especially when we toured the first tour. Um, I remember showing up to places and, you know, they either wrote like X Christie front drive on the flyer or something. And I remember like, you know, kind of kids that would have, would have came to see Christie front drive showing up. And I remember seeing a few like people looking at us very confused, you know, like yeah. some of those shows, like in like kind of smaller towns. Um, and then there was a few people that really got it. And I wouldn't say got it. It was just, you know, that's a matter of taste, but, um, that like liked what we were doing, but. I think by the by the second tour, I feel like we were starting to kind of catch on a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but then it was like a whole other like thing to swallow with all the electronics because the first tour was <laughs> yeah. pretty much no, no keyboard. I mean, no, no like backing tracks or anything. No, but you know what? It was a lot better. I really enjoyed the the second trip the most. I mean, oh yeah, we yeah. got I, playing to that to, to the MIDI. I remember like by the end of that tour, we were, that was the tightest band I've, oh. I think I've ever been in. Oh yeah, you know, it was like incredible. we played like a metronome at the end of that trip. You know? Yeah, um, I remember that show. I mean, our last show was at the Wetlands. And yeah, it was like I remember we precision. were just yeah. yeah, it was that was one of the. That, I look back at like shows I played, or I was like, man, I wish there was recording. I was that. on, yeah. and the band I was with, everyone I was playing with, was on that night, and that was one. That was definitely one of those nights. Um, yeah, but, I wish there was some document of that. I know, me too. But yeah, I think, yeah, but there was some head scratching, I think, at first. But then, you know, um, the second tour, too, we went out with the Gloria record, and that was kind of fitting. You know, we were both kind of a little bit outside of what people were expecting, you know, of the members. Um, so I think we kind of like gelled. I think that was a good band to tour with. Plus, that was a really fun tour. Yeah. And the, the, the people were getting where, you know, because like Mark Kozelik showed up in San Francisco and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- Jeffrey Runnings from Four Against showed up in Nebraska. Yeah. You know, it was like people who like we respected were actually like coming out to our show. So it was like, you know, felt yeah. a bit validated. And there was more people showing up to some like to the especially the shows in the bigger cities. Like the San Francisco show, yeah, that show was was really big. Yeah. Um I remember the uh you know, Colorado and um there was a few, like, there was a uh, Chicago, oh, yeah. Was, did we play in Chicago? Yeah, the, um, at the Fireside. Oh, yeah, the, that yeah, Fireside, the, the Fireside. We played with you. Yeah, that was a great show, too. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good time. Why did it end? Uh, Antarctica? question. Uh, yes. I think, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. You're well, Barbara Walters, I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't really remember. I think we just sort of all like, you know, being on tour, you know, we did long tours. Like there were like five weeks each, you know, I think we did. I feel like we didn't really have a lot of gas in the tank after 8103. You know, I feel like it would have been hard to write a second record. Yeah, I think so too. I, I wish we would have gone on longer actually i think we had i think we were like one album away from a really good one you know like a really i, I feel like we could have even done better than 8103 um i agree but yeah, I, I agree think, i think if we 
Now go ahead. Uh, I think uh, yeah, I feel like if we, we uh, got over the novelty of uh, what we were doing on eighty one hundred three and sort of like you know jailed it a little bit better, I, you know, we would have made something really cool. Yeah, but it just, it just didn't seem you know you know I think I'm one of those people that things happen the way they're supposed to happen, even though at the you know the time you know feelings are different. But like you know ultimately when you look back you're like oh everything happened the way it probably should have happened really. Um, but you know, it was it, it, there wasn't a lot of talking. We didn't really talk about it. it just kind of we just kind of split off, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There wasn't like all bad blood or anything, you know. It's like just it just sort of like fizzled out. Chris really wanted to start the Uven Uven Leuven thing, you know, like he wanted yeah. to really delve deeper into the synth, which I get. Yeah. Um, you know, and you kind of like when you're in that position, you kind of have to follow what what you want to do, you know. Like you can't, you know. He had a, he had a passion for that, so like it totally made sense that he would go that direction, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, unfortunately, I think we could have. I think we were just one record shy of like a really great. Because I think eighty one oh three is. I love it. I was listening, but now that I've been listening to the, we just got the test pressings, and you know, when I listened back, I was like, wow, this is a really cool record. Um, I still think we could have done one better though. But I agree. Yeah, I feel like it, there's a like a, there's some like. It's cool for, I guess, a period piece, you know, it kind of holds up, like, but -hmm. there's some stuff where I feel like, you know, if if we gelled it a little bit better, you know, just like, you know, because I mean, we were, there was no laptop involved. It was, that was all hardware, you know, like we're playing drums to a click track and, you know, there's no behind the scenes tinkering, you know, it's like all live electronics. Yeah. Do you want to talk about so, like, some of the yep. gear that you guys had since that it wasn't right. really just like computer? Glenn's um, gonna have to do this. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't. I do you never remember, Glenn? remember these. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris did all of the uh, you know sequencing, and um, that was mostly done on a quasi MIDI uh, keyboard, which is some weird uh, keyboard that I don't think is even made anymore. But uh, that was the then, little uh, red one, right? Uh. It had like red buttons, I think it was. Did it have the vocoder on it? Yeah, that was had the vocoder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there was like a JP eight thousand, which is like a Roland sort of a their digital version of a Juno, I think. And then I think Nicole had a, some uh, Roland string synth that she also played. Yeah. So like, and then I played like. I mean, we figured all this stuff out on our own because nobody was doing this. So, like, I had a drum machine. Everything was chained up on MIDI. I had a drum machine just playing a clap track in my headphones. So, like, you know, I'd be playing, like, slave to the sequencer, which was, you know, like, our setup time was almost as long as our set sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Not accounting, man. And double that with a loading in and loading out. Yeah, yeah. God, the load that was always. We did, every you'd look at those keyboards at the end of the night, and you're like, God damn yeah. it! <laughs> I mean, plus an SVT eight ten, and like you know, like yeah, they were we had, not we had, light. Yeah. So you're saying that you know the, the it sort of run its course, and um, what what did you guys do after Glenn? What did you do after this band? Um, I actually just put my drums in storage and ha- didn't really do anything immediately. And then um, I met the guys who I'm actually currently playing with now. Um, we started this band called Blacklist. It's more, you know, kind of like U2 war and the cult and that kind of thing. But they had to convince me to do it uh, because I was like, you know, I don't want to get involved in a band again. You know, it's like, it's too much, uh, it's too emotional and like, you know, like, it's always like, you know, having four girlfriends or, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you have to deal with all these personalities and like, it just wasn't on my radar to like get involved with that again. And, uh, but you know, then as things happen, you know, that band split up in 2009 and then in 2019, we did a show to celebrate the 10 year anniversary of our album and realized that we, liked each other still and you know wrote a whole other a brand new record over the pandemic like basically over uh file transfers 
Awesome. So, yeah, like, you know, like, yeah, so that, that's... It did happen for a then, reason. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> See, now you're always, you always end up where you're supposed to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like, you know, friends are friends, you know, it's like, you, you have differences, you know, it's like, if you get along, you make good music and, you know, a little time heals a lot of wounds. Yeah. Yeah. It is true, it is like being with like four girlfriends, you know, like it is, it's very, very simple, like it, People use Especially that analogy like, all the time, but it's like it's just so many, so many little things and mis you know misconstrued words or anything that just go wrong, you know, like or. You know, especially if you're in a, especially if you think of being in a van for like with five, and we had six people on that last trip, um, yeah. six people in close quarters for like, and that was like a month at least. Um, that was five five weeks. Five yeah. weeks. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get on each other's nerves. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt oh, about yeah. it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, that was the thing about Blacklist, like we never even toured. Like we we were lucky enough that we we just got flown to play like a show here and there, like in Berlin or Portugal, you know, like we never had to like do the road dog part of it. Cause like, you know, that like after Antarctica, like that I was in, actually I was in a band called cult of youth also. And we toured quite a bit and like, you know, I was, I got sick of the whole touring thing. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Yeah. It's like not I, fun. I asked my wife to marry me and then I went on tour in Europe and I was like, I'll do one less Europe tour. And even that was like, you know, like you, you, we, got, we got to Scotland and they were like, oh, that, that club you're playing closed two months ago. Like, you know, I was like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this. I'm, I'm done. You know, like I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what did you do after? I just kind of kept playing. I did a couple like um, kind of like three piece, like three like power pop band sort of things. You know, I kind of... Um, I almost like veered sometimes like when I do something I like to do I like to kind of veer and do something different but it's kind of um, but it's really what I had available I had the people I had to play with and I was like I'll just try this out you know it was kind of like a I was trying to do kind of a Husker do sort of thing I guess um, and then I just kept playing you know I, I there's a list of bands that like you know very few people know of <laughs> but I kept playing and um that was it, you know, and I just kept doing what I, what I did. And yeah. then we got to meet at a diner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I always yeah. like. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about, man. You okay. don't remember? Oh no, I do. You I'm just, just asshole. Um, <laughs> nice job, Eric. Um, yeah. What is it like talking about this now? Like to think that it's 2023 and you're talking about a record, you know, that you did quite a while ago. What does that feel like, Glenn? Um, it's interesting cause like I still have people who I, you know, like there are people in my life that like this record, you know, like my, my cousin and her husband, when she met her husband, like they're like, oh yeah, we used to make out to that record. You know, I think for like Hell Indie yeah. Rock kids, it was sort of, it was sort of like their dark side of the moon, you know, like, you know, like they, like you go, go parking and make out, you know, like, you know, it's like trying to impress your girlfriend with this weird record that like was kind of accessible to indie rock kids i guess i don't know but like um you know and like i still have like friends who have no connection to any of the scenes that we came out of who just think it's a great dream pop record and like you know just think it's like this you know flash in the pan kind of weird record that came out that they don't really know any of the history about it so yeah it's like it comes up in my life every once in a while but like and the question that always happens is like, when is it going to come out on vinyl? So I'm glad that someone finally had the balls to do it, I guess, because <laughs> it's, cause it's not going to be a cheap endeavor. But, you know, it's like it's a long record and, you know. Yeah, I remember we used to I, I remember we would get some flack about how long it was because you couldn't really fit it onto one CD. Yeah, so I mean, like, if, it, uh, if we scrapped one song, we could, you know, like people gave us stuff about that. And we also... The CD started CD oh, two yeah. on track on track seven, which was which the worst cra- idea ever. What happened yeah, on track seven? Those computers, like the CD two on the double CD, started on track seven. So like in the when it came out, people had like these you know Dell computers that they put it in and it would just crash the computer because <laughs> they could, it couldn't it couldn't register that track yeah. one was actually track seven. So like, I mean, we had like so much grief thrown at us I and, know. like. 
the layout and had like one entire white panel and people were like, what a waste of paper. And like, <laughs> clear, yeah. clear, clearly not Peter Saville fans. <laughs> now, if you ever want to read a real cut up job, um, remember the, the pitchfork head. review? It's oh, there was great. a buddy head review. That was like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, the, the guy the like, of, uh, go ahead. It, it was, it was like an entire like tome. I was like, the, this guy spent probably more time than the actual album to write this. <laughs> What was the Trash score? <laughs> oh, it was it was like was it like a two six or something? Something oh, like I don't that. Know. It was it was it was the guy was not amused by us whatsoever. Wow, no. that's what. I that, and there was also this this label this uh, blog called Buddyhead that like had a, a, a fucking field day with it. You know, they were like, you know, it, it was so scathing that it was actually brilliant. You know, it's like it's like I imagine Ian one. Curtis, Ian Curtis, and somebody else sitting at this long lacquer table talking about this record. And it just, it, you know, it's like it goes on and on to the degree that like they're making fun of us for making like a blowhard record. You know, oh, it's so good. I love that era. It's, Such assholes. It, yeah, it's it's so great. Yeah, um, you know what though? We our music inspired. A couple of reviews. I mean, look at those reviews. Like they spent some time on those. They did. So they had oh, had some yeah. kind, there had to have been some inspiration there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we pissed it, it, them off so much that <laughs> maybe they'll that, do um, the. Uh, maybe when the reissue comes out, they uh, they will revisit it and give it a new score and delete, and, and then delete the old a, score. It'll just be an emoji thumbs down. No. Oh, nice, positive. <laughs> Where did Kim's rack this record? Remember Kim's? What? Kim's. Uh, yeah. Oh, Where yeah. do you think they oh, racked yeah. this? Uh, what 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 section? Oh, That's I don't question. know. Yeah, you don't know. I don't I mean, remember. I I don't remember ever. I don't see it much in in anywhere. Back in the day, so I don't know. Yeah, would they put us in the punk section? I, I don't know. I mean, I remember we spent a lot of time there, so yeah. I don't remember ever seeing it. Maybe other music. Other music might have had it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were we are more of an other music sort of band, or that was it, Rebel Rebel, or whatever it was called then. Oh yeah, um, when the Brooklyn scene had hit, and some of these things interweaved some of the stuff you were working on—that always happens. But as you mentioned, Interpol earlier, um, obviously maybe not connecting with them, but hearing it. What was that like to hear some of those things take off? It's funny because like the guy who—I mean, he actually lives right down the street from me now, and he's one of my good friends. Like he was this guy Brandon who was the manager of Interpol like uh, they were like Interpol was never really on my radar I always felt like everyone's like oh they sound like Joy Division and, and to me as somebody who's like you know a factory of records completist I was like I don't really get the whole Joy Division New Order thing like you know it has 80s leanings but like when all that stuff blew up like Radio 4 yeah yeah yeahs and all that like we were definitely not considered part of that. And like, you know, I think we were just too like quirky. I don't know. I don't know what the word for it is. You know, we weren't really like playing that card, I guess. I don't think, I think some of that stuff happened after us too. Yeah. It was, it was slightly after I think. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there's those things that kind of happen and then a couple of years go by and then all of a sudden, wait, all these people are kind of doing that sound or similar, which can happen to anything. I just, the way that the hearing pole sound like Antarctica though. I don't know, but I'm saying just from the same school, just from like the same sort of, I mean, those guys are, some of the guys are hardcore dudes, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was a good seemed... story about that, actually, because uh, when we were in Nebraska, the guys from The Faint came to our show, and then they were picking our brain about how we play live with our MIDI setup. And by the time we got home, I had a cassette tape in the mail of Dance Macabre, which is absolutely brilliant. And I was like, oh, Christ, you know, like these guys just took the blueprint and, you know, made a diamond out of it you know it was like yeah i was like christ like these guys were just like asking us how we do this and then they make this record and it's absolutely slamming doing, you know they're doing it better um yeah and, that and was uh, david, now, david, now david now bowie opens up for them <laughs> david bowie would always say it's not important to be first it's better to be second but that was his saying yeah there's something to be said for it Absolutely. there is yeah how did you get with solid brass um I think there's a connection through File 13, I know. Um, 
I'm going to remember, there's too many people, but like, I just got an email saying, hey, we're interested in doing this. Um, and I had actually had known one of the people too, but it was this kind of a, it was really just like a message out of the blue and there. And I know we actually had tried to do this. There was like a, a few other times in the past where I think weren't you and Chris going to try to do it once? We had like priced it out and like, you know, we're trying to make, make it work, you know, like I mean, it wasn't cheap, you know, it was like a good, like $5,000 investment. Yeah. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be a cheap record. And then at one point, someone got a hold of me from, it was either the guy from Hydrahead or it was one of those labels. Like, I get some of those those labels mixed up. Um, I think it was that, though, that he was going to start a, a boutique lab, a label, and the first thing he wanted to do was the Antarctica. Like, I think he even wanted to do both, possibly. I don't remember. But, and then, I, that was already, and he was like, I was like, oh, great, I'm going to get a hold of everyone else and see if they're into it, and then he decided that like it just wasn't going to make sense financially, which I think makes sense. And then um, then I just got this message like, hey, we're thinking of doing it. And I was like, I jumped on it right away. And we're starting this label called Solid Brass. It's named after Circus Lupus, which I thought was cool. Um, and I was like, yeah. yeah I think if they you were guys kind are of like in- skewing it as like a numero group kind of thing where they, you know, kind of take like st- stuff that like never came out on vinyl or, you know, or like stuff that was never released, like lost LPs and, you know, not just like reissuing stuff, but like trying to put out stuff that like has some kind of like cachet. Yeah. Yeah. There's and a like, lot and, of cool and stuff. Justin, yeah. Justin had, he took over file 13 from Matt. And that's uh, right. Yeah. So, so he was like, uh, already sort of in our, uh, frame of reference, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. And so they, and we just kind of, it, it happened really fast. Once we just, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I've been wanting the anarchist stuff on vinyl forever. You know, I would, yeah. And I, I do get asked about it a lot. I get asked about it constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was like, yeah, if you guys want to do it, of course we're in, you know? And then I instantly, I knew Glenn was the person I needed to get a hold of because, um, he's just better at, you know, getting things together than I am. So I was like, oh, I got to get Glenn. And so sure enough, Glenn kind of took the the wheel and it's happened, you know. This yeah, is yeah pretty... getting it remastered was something I always wanted to do too because like, I feel like the mastering was a bit flat for my... Like, I think everybody was underwhelmed with the mastering, especially for like what we were... They, like our, the ambition that we had, we wanted it to be kind of like a bigger, uh, you know, heavier sound. And I think it was just sort of a bit muddy... That's the kind of way it was. Remember, the, the 90s were kind of... I don't think there was a yeah. lot of thought of sound. You know, but that's yeah. at the time when certain labels, they would just take the CD and, like, master the... You know, cut the cut the records off the CDs. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was just does not sound good. And a lot of labels are doing that. I mean, it's funny, these kids who are vinyl collecting now, and, like, they, they spend all this money on this record from some punk band from the 90s, and it's really just, like, a, a CD rip onto vinyl. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we we jumped on it and we got it, and it, it's pretty cool to have it happening. You know, pretty excited about it. Yeah, are, very excited. What are your ex, ex, expectations? Sorry, ugh. what are your expectations or you know plans are, are around this? It's a good question. Uh, that hasn't really uh, popped up. Like, uh, you know, it's like. Like we don't really talk that much. Like, you know, like even between, like Chris and I were pretty close for a long time. You know, like we talk like once a month now. And like, you know, Nicole lives like two minutes from me, and like I've hung out with her I think once since she moved here, you know, three years ago. So it's like you know, just life is kind of a bigger deal than having a. You know, trying to figure out what to do like, with this thing that kind of fell into our lap. You know, selfishly, I just want you know, on my, on my part, I just want people to enjoy it. You know, like people who like it. I mean, I think it was cool. I'm really, you know, it's something I'm kind of proud of that I was a part of. Um, because I listened to it, you know, and I just hope a few people hear it that didn't get a chance, you know, that didn't that didn't hear it before or didn't get a chance to, or you know, that would be nice. I think it's. I think it turned out. It's a pretty cool record, and I'm glad that people get to hear it again, especially on vinyl, which will be nice. 
and also streaming, right? That's all going to get. Yeah, it'll be of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the remaster will be uh, on streaming services too. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's. I think what Solid Brass is doing, and obviously Numero and others, to be able to this time period, which Eric has heard me say millions of times, but this period was like a lot of these labels did not get into the 21st century. Like you guys were crashing computers. These own labels were, were crashing <laughs> themselves because they didn't get with the times and have a streaming agreement or the people left and ended up doing something else. And then the, the records never got on streaming and then you have to find the masters. So I think, I think that's why it's it's amazing. These are these lost gems that you thought everything's online, and it's not. And to know that no. this thing yeah, was yeah. sitting there, and um, you you've you've got a chance to sort of retell the story is really amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was a weird time for labels too, because you know, like at that you know mid nineties, all you had to do was like silk screen a piece of cardboard and throw it in a sleeve, and that was what all anybody wanted, but you know, the whole streaming thing wasn't on anybody's radar. You know, it was just sort of like a, you know, like a basement project, you know, but you didn't have to actually operate like a real label until, you know, the internet came along and then you had to like be accountable and pay people and get rights to things. You know, it's like, that's not what a lot of people signed up for. Right. What else have you um, thought about or remembered um, from the record or your, your time together or, you know, did any dreams pop in and being like, man, it'd be cool if we did this or it'd be cool if we tried this. Did that, did that happen, Glenn? Um, I think just looking through, like, all the stuff to, like, get together for uh, the reissue and, like, uh, you know, the label wanted some, you know, old flyers and pictures and stuff. You know, I found, like, a bunch of rehearsal tapes that I would love to go through and, like, hear, like, what we were working on before we split, you know, like that's badass. There could be some amazing stuff in there. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's all on cassettes. I would but, like uh, to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get it hooked up one of these days, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Just going through like old, like photo books of like our tours, you know, it's just like, it brings back like, it's definitely like brings back memories of a specific time. It was viable to, you know, just, fuck off for five weeks and yeah. you know, not have to worry about a mortgage or a job or, you know. Yeah, they were fun stuff. tours. I had a lot yeah. of fun on those trips. We had a lot of, we had a lot of good times on those trips. <laughs> but what about for you, Erica? Anything that's sort of like maybe putting together the, the reissue or even just, you know, thoughts again of like, Oh wow, I'd love to play again. I'd love to play these songs again. <laughs> Um, I've never thought about playing the songs again. Um, I don't, I mean, yeah, that would, would be really be, hard. It would be actually, really, yeah. it would be really difficult. Um, because yeah, the way we kind of dialed it in back then, it would be, it would be quite an undertaking, like to, to even get it close, you know, to like where it was, you know, I mean, and there's I can't. actually, there's really actually no ref- record of any of the lyrics also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's actually you, one or two parts. I'm not sure what I'm singing. <laughs> I'm yeah, not kidding. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's people ask me all the time. Like, is it going to have, are we going to put lyrics? Or, you know, can, I mean, we get like occasional, like, can you send me an article lyrics? And I'm like, we don't discuss lyrics, you know, it's just supposed to be like a part, an instrument rather than like, you know, something to grab onto. Right. Yeah, I mean, Chris and I did, we did a lot. I remember working pretty hard on the lyrics with him. Yeah, like, we did the, the, ly- the lyrics that like, we remember like, yeah. you know, are very cool, like, but yeah. it was never supposed to be like something that people, you know, sat down and like learned the lyrics to. You know, we didn't really want it to be that kind of thing. I mean, they're very like ethereal and like, um, I don't know. It's like they're almost. It's it's like poetry, like really. Yeah, like almost like Dadaist kind of like because I think yeah. some of the lyrics, like you and Chris, are like made up your own lyrics and kind of just like like forked them together, you know, like you know, so they're like kind of like bouncing between like you know subject matter or like you know, kind of like a like I don't know what the word for it is. Yeah, like motifs or something. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, but you know, it was oddly, you know, especially for that time period. I remember it was very easy though. Like it was easy to work with him. Like we seemed to like have similar 
um, just a vibe. Like we had, we kind of wanted the same vibe, I think for the songs. And so I remember like it being easy to work with him with that, you know, because we kind of had a similar aesthetic at the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I remember um, like even, even when you guys were just making stuff up, I remember there was one rehearsal where I was like, are you singing you can't trust the dead? And you're like, I am now like, you know, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. the lyric. <laughs> like, cause it, you were just like making stuff up at rehearsal. And then like that became the lyric. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember just, that I mean, now actually. That's funny. Yeah. Cause like, you know, it's like it, it, the lyrics were more like conceptual rather than like yeah. you know, trying to be yeah, like, that was a know, good lyric. Band. Glenn. I like yeah. that lyric. Yeah. yeah. Good job. I have my moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just hearing you guys talk and um, having, you know, good memories and even, and the way that it ended, the way that it started, it seemed natural. And so I guess this is the right time for this to come out. This is the right time sure. for people that are want it, w- want to search and want to, and I think are excited about something that not necessarily found, but you know, was sitting somewhere and, and, is now able to be heard. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think whether, you know, it's subjective if people think it's a good album or not, you know, we've had both, but, um, it's nice to, you know, I think it's an interesting album. I mean, when we look at listening back to it, um, we had, we had some, I think we had our own thing going. If I, at least I think we did, you know, cause I don't remember a lot of, or have heard a lot of stuff that was exactly like what we were doing. I think it had uh, kind yeah, of yeah. had. I think we had our own vibe, um, accidentally, of course. But it's we did. We I think we stumbled into something interesting, though. Yeah, I think um, the only band that was sort of doing similar was Chapter House with their second record. And then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When when we were recording eighty one oh three, I was riding in the car with a lop to go somewhere, and he's like, "What what's the album you want to make?" And I put on Chapter House Blood Music, and he's like, "You can't make this record." <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. Like, but like, I think that was the closest thing. Cause it had like, you know, breakbeat loops, you know, it's like yeah. using the studio as a tool rather than like a means to an end. Sure. That's awesome. Glenn, cool. same, same thoughts as Eric. Um, yeah. Like, you know, um, Jason from solid brass, like he was like, so do you guys think you'll be able to play a show or anything? I was like, you know, like, it's, it would be a, a it would be a big heavy lift to like you know even consider you know just the dynamics or like the uh, logistics of it like you know it's a it just mountain. seems daunting yeah you because know, <laughs> like you know it's like even if like the I know Chris still has those keyboards or last time I saw, was at his house he did like but like I'm not sure if those patches still exist you know how, I don't know how that would happen like. It's, yeah, it it just, would be a lot more time than I would be able to put into it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah I mean, it's it just, wouldn't just yeah. be like, yeah, you know, plugging in headphones, learning the songs. You know, it'd be like, yeah, no, like no, even no. even listening now, I'm like, every every time I think the song's gonna change, it goes like four times longer. Like you know, like that headspace of like being in a rock band for the past you know twenty years since the record came out. You know yeah. that kind of that kind of. Uh, excessiveness isn't in my <laughs> DNA anymore. Like you know, it doesn't really make sense to like play a part for 32 measures rather than 16, you know? <laughs> well, you know, we are totally vibing out at the time. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, it made sense. Was, at the time. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was some of the great moments and that was fun live too, because there was times we were going, you know, some of the endings of those songs just go on forever. Oh, yeah, and, like, just, you like, could just yeah. see people's faces like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and then like by the end of it, <laughs> we were just like kicking gear around the stage and like Chris is on the floor, like tweaking delay pedals and stuff. You know, it was like, yeah. it got physical. It got physical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had some, yeah, we had uh, I still think I, but I would say my favorite show of all time was the, when we played in San Antonio on Halloween. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That was, that was insane. Why? That, um, it was a, it was a block party in San Antonio. Like there was just this street, all bars. How many bars? Yeah, you had to, like 20 bars. It was, it was like red, like red river. And yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, yeah, yeah. Austin. Oh, like, you probably you, know it. But, yeah. you had, but you had to pay to get into like this block party. So it was just like random frat boys and stuff. And like, we all took ecstasy before we went on stage. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell anybody. But like, you know, yeah, it was no. like, 
Well, you're going to uh, edit that, right? No, I'm not. No, <laughs> no, we're, no we're leaving that yeah. in. Okay, keep going. But yeah. it was like, you know, like we were like three weeks into tour, so we were like dialed as fuck, you know, like, and but just people were just going bouncing off the walls, you know, because it was like Halloween night. We just danced in the street all night, like. We lost, we lost like, Chris at one point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember He was that. gone. No. We're like, is anyone seeing Chris? And we're like, I have no idea. We had to look all over, all over. We had to look, go through like six or, you know, six bars or something looking for him. <laughs> and I think we, I think we, he was laying down. Wasn't he in the back, like laying down oh, by a, a pool, pool table? table? Yeah. yeah. He was laying on a pool table. <laughs> and he somehow got a, like uh he somehow found a uh, leprechaun hat. <laughs> That's I remember that. <laughs> He's I remember Irish, we had a so, fun I mean, day. Yeah, that was yeah. that night was so much fun. Oh, so great! Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a couple of, like that was a, that the Gloria record with us that night. Then right? again, maybe it wasn't. Maybe we were just thinking it was because of uh, Austin. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Because we were drugged <laughs> up. But no, I, it was fun. It, that you was know, great. Yeah, that's the way I remember no, it. I blew my knees out dancing uh, on pavement for like yeah. four hours straight. Like, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, we weren't afraid of an after party. That's what I like. No. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we had a lot. We had a lot of weird run-ins like after shows. Like there was that time in Portland. Like, didn't we get kicked out of that uh, bar? Oh yeah, because uh, Apollo dumped a beer over some girl's head by mistake. Like, <laughs> and, then, and then Chris is like, "I'm from New York," but they were like, "I don't care where you're from." He's like, "No, I'm just saying like I'm visiting. Like he's not I'm trying to. I'm not trying to flex New York." Like, <laughs> yeah. No, we were getting, but like we were like that tour with that was. That was pretty heavy on like there was a lot of partying on that tour. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, we were there like, was right- that was we would play and then we would all always every night go get drunk or and that's yeah. when the, and going back to you, Tom, we we had a big thing. We were doing a lot of big Lebowski like. I remember oh, yeah, that was a Russians, lot of time. Yeah, yeah. We were drinking white Russians like crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in fact, yeah, somehow we still up, lost weight. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because well, we were, that was that was ephedrine. Yeah. But uh, that actually remember, and then we ended up at that one house, and Jeremy Gomez had too many white Russians. Oh and, yeah. Uh, they locked but, himself uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, he was in the bathroom all night. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna remind yeah. him about that. I was just talking. To I, him have, pic- I have pictures of that night. Uh, I'll share. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of people on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like weird, weird stains on people's shirts. It's like really not very pretty. Eric, oh, I, I, Eric, we have to mention. I can't. It was so random that I had tickets to that thing and you guys were free. Yeah. No, that was awesome. And, yeah, Tom. I don't know if I don't think Glenn knows, but Tom uh, got got me into the. Uh, it's like the cast reunion of the Big Lebowski. Oh wait, it was like oh, amazing. Yeah, it was like the whole <laughs> cast and like they were doing fielding questions and you watched the movie with them and stuff. It was cool. Oh wow. Yeah. But that was so you're, you're like friends with aren't you friends with Jeff Bridges? <laughs> like you like I see pictures of you guys together, which is weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I worked his record at Blue Note. His record, yeah, it yeah. was a like it was like a it was after Crazy Heart and he released a record on Blue Note and I worked that and then we just stayed in touch. Yeah. Um, but no, awesome. but that but that Lebowski thing, I I still remember whenever Steve Buscemi tried to speak, everyone just yelled "Shut the fuck up, Donnie!" at the same time, and I just yeah, remember yeah, yeah, him yeah. like giving up trying to talk. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was a fun. That was a cool night. You had yeah. better seats than me too. Well, yeah, you, yeah, that was really nice. I was like up front. I don't know. You, like, how. Got I was in You're the, in the back. Balcony. Like, You're the, the one who set up the tickets. How does that happen? <laughs> I know. I was like, Eric's got like third row or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a guy. That was fun. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, well, see, yeah. that's what New York brings you. Now we're all. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, I've, the one thing about anyone who lives in New York City, you, could, you there's no doubt you can write some kind of novel about your time there because, I mean, it makes life like a novel, really. I mean, just the, the interactions with all the different people and. You know, and definitely that's a, I mean, the Anarcha record is definitely a good document of my time there, you know, of what, what kind of where my headspace was. Yeah. You know, when I was living there. Yeah. 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 It's definitely like, you know, I feel like with it coming out now, like there's no uh, mistake that it was like made on a laptop, you know, it's like, you know, there's a certain sound to like a lot of new music that's just sort of like too perfect, you know, like, like, you know, laptop beats and stuff like um, but there's no confusion as to like how this record was made. You know, there's definitely there's like live drums, sequence drums, and stuff. You know, like, like I, I actually played drum pads. Wow. Along with the 
sequence. You know, like I, I had this like Octopad thing. So yeah, like, that thing know, was cool. A, a lot of it's like a lot of stuff that's even like dancey is played live. So like you know, there's a there's a an imperfection to it that I feel like couldn't exist nowadays just because of the ease of like making beats in GarageBand or something. You know, people wouldn't waste their time otherwise. Yeah. No, I, I actually think that's a really good point to to end on. Just the sort of the this that analog time, right before uh, before digital a little bit. I mean, it was digital, but like not accessible. You had to get the gear. You had to fuck with it. You had to figure yeah, out yeah. how it sounded together. And you were making CDRs. You weren't, you know, of these records. You weren't. It was just. I, I think I really like that you're talking about it that way because someone's going to listen to this differently and say, "No, this was fucking yeah, gear." Yeah. This is gear. Yeah. yeah. The first time, we, the first time we really tried to play with all the gear was uh, with Jets to Brazil at, at Tramps, and I was like, did, hadn't considered using a click track, and luckily there was a good monitor. But like, after that, I was like, that's way too big of a safety net to mess with. You know, like I'm definitely getting a click track because on a smaller stage, it would have been a disaster. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We also, I mean, the one thing I thought was cool about the record, too, is we, we uh, mixed it at Mixolydian. Um, that's the name of it, right? I'm getting it right. Right, Glenn? Yeah. The, the place in New Jersey, yeah, which I thought was yeah, a cool yeah. place, which was kind of neat because they had a kind of apartment on top, and we just stayed there for a few days and wake up and mix and then, you know, mix all day, then yeah. sleep upstairs. It felt, like, and, it, felt like we're, it felt like we were a real band. <laughs> you know, yeah, just like no, that was <laughs> crashing. Yeah, But I was, was, like on a I farm. was super impressed. Why go ahead? Yeah, but like, yeah, like uh, the guy worked with Gary Newman before, and like Misfits recorded there. So we were like, wow, that's, that's where they mixed. Uh, they mixed Walk Among Us there, which is like yeah. the, I, quite possibly the greatest punk record ever made, in my yeah. book. Yeah, yeah but, I'm not gonna argue. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that was a, that was a good time. I don't. I just got lost in the like the end of the last something. That's a great way to end. No, 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 it's fine. No, I'm saying any other, you know, again, you guys are talking about a record that, you know, uh, you know, was sort of left um, and now it's got new life and it just, I don't know, it just, it probably gets you excited. Um, it's, it's another excuse to say hi to everybody, another excuse to look at photos and even if it was just that, right? And even if one person yeah. finds this, it's, it's better off than, than before because you guys created this for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And I say thank you to the Solid Brass guys for doing this too, you know. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Putting it out. It's been, it's uh, it's nice to have this happen, definitely. I really, we really, it's, and they, they're definitely on the same page of, you know, it's yeah, just been a very they, easy process. They, yeah, they don't want to cut corners. Like, they, they, they understand, like, the maximal effect we were going for, you know, so, like, you know, the cover's going to look incredible, you know, Printing and everything is, you know, going to be real nice. So I'm really happy with it. Yeah. And plus, you know, I mean, if nothing else, it'd be nice to just have like a release party and get us all in the same room one more time, you know, just because, I mean, the last time we were all in the same room was probably like Wetlands or something, you know, like after yeah, a show. Seriously. Or, you know, like who knows? Like uh, I can't remember. I mean, yeah. I would see Chris sporadically and you sporadically. Like I remember you yeah. running to each other. Yeah, last time I saw you show. was like, a, yeah. Last time I saw you was a ride. Oh yeah, but I didn't actually see you. Like I looked for you, but I didn't see you. Were you behind uh, me? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, that's the last time we were in the same room. But I remember, I remember you, Chris, and I being at the Four Against show in Brooklyn too. Oh, was it? Oh, really? At the Bell House. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was that was yeah. that with? Huh? Do I remember that? Nicole that, was there. I, yeah, I play because I I thought I always seen four against once then because like when I played with chameleons, we played with four against, but I was too nervous to watch them. So you were like too my nervous first show. to watch. It was, oh, yeah. so it was my first show with chameleons, and I was like, oh god. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh. How was that? It was nerve wracking as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you think these songs are like easy but they're i mean he plays drums the way you do with like open hand like uh -huh. so like the fills are all weird and like but yeah, that was a whole other conversation yeah 
No, no, let's go on. Let's uh, the, the whole end of it can be no. Yeah, um, let's just go on that tangent, yeah. and I'll just have it stop. And people be like, yeah. What? Yeah. No, no, just, I think that was no. well, you. You can edit. I so, can edit yeah. the hell out of this. You guys are great. <laughs> yeah. This was perfect. This was perfect. I yeah. think the I think the solid brass ending. You guys have to talk about the record. Why? Let's see anything else. No, I, I think that was good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Eric, Glenn, ha- have a great weekend. Sorry. And um, you too. You know, I'm sure there's plenty more to. Plenty more to do um, for this, but I'm glad we were able to knock this out and hopefully some people check it out. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks.